whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleansed, cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly confess, confess their rebellion to you while there is time, but they may not, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I ask the Lord on the way over here this morning, and I ask him again to move me out of the way, and you may hear a special word from him on this day. Because you may be seated. <laughs> we're getting a new rhythm. Um, Today's message, wow, what a song. Um, I have to confess that it is a hard message for me to deliver. You know, I, I'm a, I like, um, I'm a co, I'm a, what do you call it, a recovering codependent people pleaser. Um, I like people to like me, and I like you to like what I say. Um, but that can't always be possible. And so God has put on my heart last week and this week too, um, and we are in the Lenten season, we know, this is our first Sunday, the most appropriate, I think, song for this occasion. It points out our sin, uh, and no pastor likes to talk about sin. But God sure showed me mine this week, uh, and so I know this song is true and right, and David uh, is helping us, trying to help us find that joy, and I love the verse, um, now I'm forgetting what it was, but that God wants what's best for us, we sang this morning. And that just restored my heart, too, today. He does. He wants what's best. So he wants us to know our sin in our life so that we can be cleansed. You know, he's our ultimate cardiologist. He, he um, cleanses the vessels of our heart and cleanses up the sin in our body, soul, mind, and spirit so that we can live lives joyful and pleasing to him and for others to know him. I was reminded this week um, when I went to a service uh, that of what our real purpose is. You know, we get sometimes sidetracked on doing our job in front of us. We forget our real job, uh, which is helping the Lord help people know him by having known us, right? 
And so um, I was reminded of that by someone who um, came to me and told me that they knew someone that they thought was not a believer and asked me to make a visit to see them. And that uh, really put me in my place to remember why I'm standing every day, why we get up on that side of the bed to help God be the light and the salt in a hurting world right now. So these things that we're going to talk about today are things that help, that, that uh, the enemy uses, that clogs up our arteries and helps, uh, and, and helps him distance us from the Lord and, and gets us sidetracked in our lives. And so we're going to talk about some of those things. First, I want to say this on the way over here I heard this morning. If you can forgive someone, they cannot have a hold on you. Forgiveness is for the forgiver as much as the one forgiven. Where true peace and joy are found. When God forgives us, sin no longer has a hold on us. So we are free to be joyful and at peace and better disciples for Jesus Christ. So I'm going to kind of start from the back today. And I'm going to talk about our, our um, article, our scripture is Genesis and in Psalm 32 about sin. But I want to read these to you. Um, somebody gave this to me for a Lenten reflection. And while I was doing the study and praying for today, the message, I continued to think, gosh, this sounds pretty harsh. David was a murderer and an adulterer, and those are pretty harsh sins. But then this reminded me today, and God reminded me this week of my sins, and I'll share some of those. Um, here they go. Complaining. I know. Ouch. Instead, focus on gratitude. If we're not grateful, we will complain. Pessimism. Ouch. Be an optimist. I know a lot of optimists call, uh, I know a lot of pessimists call optimists realists. That's one of you. Um, I've been called that before. Harsh judgments. Hmm. Instead, think kind of thoughts. Worry. Goes against divine trust. Discouragement, giving up hope. Instead, we should hold on to hope. Bitterness, not getting our way. Turn to forgiveness. Hatred, return good for evil. Negativism, be more positive. Anger, be more patient. Gloom. Enjoy the beauty around us. It's all around us. They were singing this morning at 3.30. Give up jealousy. Pray for trust that God's going to give you what he wants you to have and need. Let's not gossip. It hurts us and it hurts others. Control our tongues. Give up sin and turn to virtue. And give up giving up. Hang in there. I thought that was a beautiful reflection and reminder. The servant, 
The serpent, the enemy, Satan said, you will not die. Sin won't kill you. You will be like God to Eve. You will know good from evil. You will be all knowing like God. Satan tempted her, and she took the bait. And I thought about why. Because sometimes humanity wants to be like God. I know sometimes I do, even though I don't want to admit it. I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know what's coming ahead of me. I want to know why what's going on is going on. I want to see sometimes like God can see. And I don't understand when I don't see my prayers being answered when I want them to. But I know God's answering them in his own good time. God tried to protect them in the garden with all good things. Yet they fell into temptation believing the enemy. Wanting more. Their eyes were open then and they knew they were thus naked. Recognizing their sin and they were uncovered. Now I don't know about many of you, but I for one can assure you I don't want to be naked in front of anybody. Even in my younger years, I didn't want to be. There's something about nakedness and being vulnerable, is it not? About being our true selves, being honest, we sang today, being real with ourselves and with others and with God. I had a hard time even saying that we are all sinners today, but it's true, we are. Which means that we do need a Savior in our recognition that we have one and that He is right and just and fair and always there for us and eagerly ready to forgive us and give us a new clean slate right now. So we can leave this sanctuary having given our sins to Him, repentant hearts, remorseful and truly sorry, and start over again with God and let it go and let Him have it. And Jesus will carry it, but He shall not carry it if we continue to try to Appearances are just that. We talked about that last Sunday. They're appearances. We want people to see us a certain way or, or think we're this or think we're that. Or, and sometimes we don't want to admit the way we really are. But the way we really are is who God created us to be. And we're all beautiful people being sanctified by God each and every moment and each and every day. When we're covered... Our flaws are not exposed, but without cover, they are. Our sin is exposed. We are vulnerable and we feel unprotected. Yet in reflecting, we are, when we are we're comfortable, when we are comfortable being transparent and seeing in our flaws without cover, then we can be our true selves. What covers us? Love covers us. Love covers a multitude of sins, does it not? Love holds us, he does. Love accepts us unconditionally. Think about your marriages and your families. That is Christ. And those who are in Christ love unconditionally us as we are. We are able to be transparent and seen when we know we have been forgiven and that our sins are forgiven. The truth sets us free, so we don't have to hide anything anymore.
they're gone and forgotten. We can leave here knowing that we are cleansed and forgiven. I was thinking about marriage relationships and relationships, close intimate ones that seek to sometimes hurt each other. Instead of holding each other as the bride and bridegroom of Christ. Not to embarrass anybody, but just saying I saw Ray and Pooh um, holding hands and holding each other up um, on their way to church last Sunday. And it touched me in a way that uh, I probably won't forget. Loving your partner. Loving. Building people up, God says, with our words. Not tearing people down with our actions or our words. And isn't that what we're all looking for, really? Unconditional acceptance, knowing that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, knowing that when someone loves us, when they know the worst things about us anyway, that is God and that is love. One of my dearest friends laughs at me the most when I do the stupidest things. I love that about and I do a lot of them. The enemy says in Genesis, you're not enough. What God has given you is not enough. You need more. Don't you need him more and more? The enemy says. He gets under our skin and into our heart and seeks to undermine God's goodness and grace in our lives. And he seeks to take away our love and contentment and provisions and protection that he alone can give us when the enemy tells us that other things can suffice and give us better and more in another way, maybe. Even own our own selves in our own lives. We can control our own lives, which creates in us death and takes away our true life. That is what the enemy does. Seeks to distance us from unconditional love in our one true God, Jesus Christ, the only one who can complete us and make us whole so that we can be our true selves, unclothed before him and accepted just the way we are, forgiven by his grace, love, and mercy. He wants to keep us in our sins so that we feel shame and guilt that David did for a long time which kept him, and it keeps us oppressed and unhappy and unhopeful. And it keeps us from being as effective as we possibly can as disciples of Jesus Christ. The Lord offers us a place of forgiveness, security, freedom, and hope. He knows our sins, and he only asks that we bring them to him to be forgiven and set free. To acknowledge them. I read this. I thought it was cute. God forgives. Forgives. So God forgives our sins to Christ. To carry for us. Like when told me one time. We can't, how many heavy suitcases can we carry, right? We've got to let some of them down. We can't carry them all. How many plates are we spinning? We can't spin them all. So we can't carry all of our sin. They're too heavy. David says today, God have his heavy hand on him. They get heavier and they get heavier the more we try to carry them. And they build and they grow. One little spark turns into a fire. We have to hand them over to Christ. 
We are given our salvation through our faith, reconciled to God through Christ as our justification, our just cause. He is the only way, and He is the right way, the truth and the life. Yet we are continually to ask for forgiveness, continually. Repentance is repetitive. It's not one time. Repentance is over and over again. And also repentance is not just asking for forgiveness, but it is being sorrowful, remorseful for what you've done. I know I've had people tell me before, I'm sorry. I've also had people tell me, I'm a good person, while yelling at me. We must continually confess our sins before God, be truly remorseful, and truly be sorry, and show God how that we mean it by changing our lives. Our ch changed lives will show God. Something I'm not very proud of, uh, but this week I was reading and studying about a lot about sin, reading articles, including about the human heart. And uh, I got up Monday morning, I felt really good about Sunday. I felt um, God's glory. I, I heard a word from God, and I had several people call me and say that they heard a word from God. And I was so um, so excited to, for, to praise God for that. Um, it meant so much to me, and it meant a lot to me that I heard God. So I got up Monday morning, I guess, in my pride, if you will. And at 7.15, here he comes. So one thing after the next, after the next went wrong. About an hour later, I began to get angry. And the next thing went wrong, and I got mad at God. About that time, the anger got the best of me, and I didn't know what else to do because I couldn't be in control, so I threw my purse against the wall. It was sitting over there on the counter. I have to laugh now, but it wasn't very funny. Then it was empty, but I picked it up and I slammed that thing on the wall. Did that make me feel one bit better? You're talking about feeling shameful and guilty. Now, I know that's just throwing the person at the wall, but anger does that to us. It takes hold of us. Hatred, anger, bitterness, resentment, envy, jealousy, trying to control our lives. I, I couldn't be in control, so I just felt like the person was going to do it for me. And then I had to look at a deeper heart issue later that day. I allowed the enemy to use my circumstances that day to take me off center. So I became someone that I really am not, and I didn't like that person in the mirror very much. And so I had to repent, I did, and I asked God to forgive me and for being mad at God, for not giving me control. Now how stupid is that? Backseat drivers, I say. God's hand will be heavy on us, like David. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he sent her husband out to be killed in battle, and he was murdered, knowing what he was doing. 
And he carried that sin around with him for a long time when he couldn't have life. The spirit was dying and his body was decaying. And then he asked God for forgiveness and he changed his heart. And he is telling us today that God will change ours too. The very moment we ask him to. And we are set free. Right then and right there. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not a murderer. And I, I am not an adulterer. But you know, God tells us in the word, murder begins in the heart. Hatred can be murder. And coveting other things that other people have, including people, can be adultery. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I think that there's comfort in that, if you will. Because no one is perfect except for the one that can save us from our sins. And he does. And he wants to set us free. Think about it like this. I'll give you my disclaimer right now. I'm not a medical doctor. I have on a black robe and not a white one. But if we're having heart problems medically, what happens could be hereditary. Our arteries might get blocked, stopped up. Our heart might not pump as fast. We're, we might get clogged. We may have to have a stent put in to have a free-flowing blood come back through us. It's our primary organ of our circulatory systems. The same as our spiritual heart. If our spiritual hearts get plugged up, if our mind gets taken captive by the enemy, if we think bad thoughts and we let him take over, if we gossip and we talk about people, then we begin to get clogged up. We, we, we begin to get a hardened heart. We, we begin to be hard-headed. And what does David tell us happens? Then we need a bit and a bridle. And I can tell you over the last little bit, God's had to use one on me or both, the bit and the bridle. But I love what David tells us today. God does that using the bits and bridles in our lives to keep us near. Otherwise, we might just go on about our way and be lost and have a longer time coming back. David was carrying great guilt and shame in his life, and only the Lord could cleanse him of that. And he did. And he asked him to. And he was delivered. And he wants us today to know especially during this Lenten season, that we need to look within our hearts and we need to see the sin that we're carrying, that we have not confessed, and we need to give it to God so that we can have a free-flowing heart because He very much needs us right now in His kingdom. And that includes young adults and children as well, and as well as older ones too. I shall not call names on either of those two things. I read an article that said being good does not get us into heaven or right with God. And he knew that because we can't obey all the laws. But guess who did? And for that we are forgiven and made right with God. Two quick quotes in closing. C.S. Lewis said it this way. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And let them be Lord of their lives. 
and those to whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. Jesus already paid the price for our salvation, but we must accept the gift and we must transfer ownership of our lives to Him. Luke 9.23 says, To believe in Christ for salvation requires a transfer of allegiance. We no longer own our own lives. We have given them to God. And He is to be the Lord of our lives, step by step, as we walk through this journey to our eternal life. I read something else that said uh, about eternity. This is pretty simple, but it really spoke to me. Do you know how long eternity is? Forever. God is preparing our hearts for eternity right now. Forever. Forever. This life is short. I did a service this week, a funeral, that reminded me of that. But eternity is forever. So he wants us to give him our hearts so we can open, open them up to him and to others. Then we have a new start, a new beginning, over and over again, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I want to say this. A lot of times we want to help others or tell others what to do with their lives and what's wrong with their lives. I know several people tell me that. But God today through David is telling us to look at our own heart. To look at our own heart. It'd be like exercising for someone that has a bad heart and changing your diet and expecting their heart to be changed. It's personal, and we have to look within our own heart. But if we ask God to restore our heart and put the right spirit in us, He will. And He will show us the ways that we need to go. Lastly, I want to say Norman Cousins quoted this, and it meant a lot to me. The tragedy of life is not death, but what we let die inside of us while we are still alive. And God wants to restore that death within us and create new life this very moment as we sang this morning. Jesus is our perfect example of this. A broken heart and a contrite spirit as shown by his submission to the will of the Father. To the will of the Father. A fully surrendered life. That does not look like someone who wants control so bad that they throw their purse against the wall. For some reason, I didn't like not having control that morning, and I had to talk to God about that. But I know his timing is perfect. Maybe he wanted me to talk five times on the phone to that person over and over again. Maybe I was supposed to call the service station five times to talk to them about something. Maybe someone needed a loving, kind word from me in that patient waiting but that morning they didn't get it and I pray next time will be better I pray so what sin in our life is keeping us from the love of God listen to the words we speak we often end up eating them 
and some of them don't taste so good. I was talking to Mackie after church last week about some things in my life going on, and she said something to me that I continue to keep in my heart. She said, you know, that, that feels yucky. And that's what sin does. It makes us feel yucky. So in those places in our lives, let's get on our knees. And God is faithful, as David says, to forgive us and create a new heart and new spirit in us so he can rejoice, restore the joy of our salvation, and then we can spread it to others. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.